you know, things could seem really impossible, Mm -hmm. but they're not as impossible as you think. The show will always go on somehow. It's kind of like how the the world, you know, even though we might be suffering loss in a certain Mm. season of life, losing a loved one, have you, but it's interesting how the world still continues to run. Hi, welcome to the Reveal podcast hosted by me, Denise Powell. Every season, expect candid conversations with guests from all walks of life and no question being off limits. So make sure you come along for the journey as my guests reveal the highs, lows and all that's in between. In this episode, I speak to Patrice Patrick from Together Good Co. She reveals the truth about working with your favourite celebrities, how becoming an overnight success is dangerous to your psyche and what you want is on the other side of fear. Don't miss out on this candid conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Reveal podcast. Now, the individual, the friend, the woman that I have before me (laughs) is someone who I've known for a few years. Our relationship actually spans... uh, countries and continents and time zones um but she is just an amazing gift and I have been privy to just see her launch her business I've seen her really step out in faith and just grow and yeah I just absolutely love this woman so without further ado from Patrice Patrick of Together Good uh, producer extraordinaire, welcome. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Reveal podcast. Oh my goodness, I'm so happy to be here. This is like <laughs> an honor, and I'm like, who is this lovely lady you're talking about? This, oh, is it me? Oh yeah. shoot! Thank you. It's 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 amazing to be here. So thank you for having me. So you. I've given you a good summary of what it is you do, but for those that don't know, tell us who you are and what you do, Patrice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So by trade, I am a TV production manager um, in Hollywood. So um, basically that's doing a lot of the the logistics and the planning and the follow through and and all these sort of vendor things, specifically in the realm of live television, Mm -hmm. um, and even more specifically in the niche of um, live award shows, variety shows, and some like game shows um, out here in in LA and in Hollywood. And so I have been in the world of, of television production. Man, I started interning in 1998, I don't think some of your listeners might not have been born then, or maybe we're just born then. <laughs> okay. Um, so your girl is a little seasoned. I've been at it a long time, and my draw, honestly, to it, I think like a lot of people, is just it seemed fun. And you know, we're used to you know movies, seeing movies, streaming things, musicians, actors, whatever. And I just thought, man, that just seems like so fun to go to like a TV show taping or to see how things work behind the scenes. And so, yeah, I'd always been fascinated with sort of the deconstructing of certain things or the behind the scenes. How do you make things appear Mm -hmm. the way they do? Mm -hmm. And a love of storytelling, because even, you know, in a live award show, maybe like the Grammys or... Um, trying to think of something that's a little more like Grammys is kind of a globally recognized yeah. uh, music award show. Yeah. Um, like even with those shows, there's a director and there's a producer that is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, figuring out the flow of how the show should go because they're actually mm. trying to tell a specific story. And so I was fascinated with that. And I, like I said, I started getting in to this field as an intern, as a production mm-hmm. assistant, doing anything and everything, getting coffee, sweeping floors, um, in every different department. Um, so that was from wardrobe to being in the truck, as we call it, which is where the monitor, the director, um, the all the other technical people usually sit to mm-hmm. uh, direct the show apart from being like in-house by the stage. Um, and so I was in all these different you know areas and I would then later go on to film school and actually study film and um, documentaries in a much more um, focused way. And, mm-hmm. and I did that for a season of time. I kind of took a break from doing uh, TV and production and that whole world. Because again, you could do a hodgepodge of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I knew my heart was really with storytelling and my strength ended up being producing, which again, it's seeing a vision, um, being able to bring all the right players into that vision and letting them flourish as well. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing when to get out of the way, when to kind of help steer the ship. And um, I wanted to be a DP, which is a director of photography. I wanted to be an editor, love Mm -hmm. still to this day. I appreciate the editing process, but it's such a solo thing and it takes time mm-hmm. and I'm very much a turtle. And so I was like, okay, I'm, and then I wanted to direct and right. directing as that's like the, the sassiest, most attractive, you know, sexy thing everyone <laughs> wants to do. You know, it's like, I want to direct it. I did. I, I want to direct, but I wasn't really that great at it. I mean, I could do it, <laughs> but I wasn't that great at it. I mean, I could tell people what to do. <laughs> But not in a way that actually was beneficial for the story at large. And But I realized my strength was in producing. And I was kind of bummed out about that because I was like, that was none of the things that I was trying to study in school. But then I would later go on to produce and co-direct my thesis project with one of my, to this day, she's one of my best friends and film partners. Um, and I fell in love with the process of producing and mm. doing the logistics of things and managing yeah. and helping to be a part of the storytelling process. And so I, after film school, worked um, in the corporate world, helping to produce uh, documentaries for a p- mm-hmm. particular company. Um, but then that door pretty much closed after about a year mm-hmm. and then transitioned back into television and kind of started from the beginning again and, and oh. started, at, started at the bottom <laughs> again, um, yeah. just because I, it was fun. And I'm highly motivated um, by what, I find enjoyable, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, what is fun. And I, I love to stay curious. And that was one of the things that I just love. The pace of t- TV is much faster. Um, and you're meeting all these different creatives, actors, you know, mm. singers, perform all. And it was just like, I love this this jam. I didn't quite know where I fit into the live television world. And I got sort of, besides being a production assistant for many years, and even now, um, dressing room managing, which was kind mm-hmm. of artist hospitality and artist relations within the realm of production, which is its own very stylized, yeah. you know, it's a very specific, very specific niche. There's only a handful of us that really do it in Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. I kind of fell into that. I didn't really plan on working with a variety of you know, any top artists, especially singers and musicians, Mm -hmm. um, I have either housed them, taken care of them, helped their camp do logistics for our Mm -hmm. show. Um, But then, you know, I had different mentors in my field just say, you, you need to be production managing. You, what you, the way that you manage an artist's dressing room for, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the Grammys at the time when I do, I no longer dressing room manage for that show. But when I did, I mean, it was at least 80 uh, dressing room spaces. Wow. Uh, so that is coordinating the logistics for, you know, principal talent, you know, and um, ancillary or the dancers and the extras and all of that mm-hmm. and making sure they're housed, making sure stage managers know where they are. There's a lot, it's a fine dance. And yeah. realizing the way that I did the logistics for that transferred over to the whole of production. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had mentors kind of pull me and just say, hey, you should be doing this. And then probably in the last four or five years, I've production managed um, a minimal amount of shows um, throughout mm-hmm. the year just because it, it's you're on those shows a lot longer. So usually I'm on a show if I'm production managing for two, two to three months. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's very like you, <laughs> you know, those of us that are in production, it's like you, you're, you have, feel like you have no friends, like your whole world is that production that you're working on. Yeah. yeah. So um, in short, I kind of gave you the backstory, but in short, um, I'm a TV production manager by trade. In the midst of all this, uh, God dropped in my heart to start um, a small business that basically housed um, the work that I was doing um, and how I was bringing in the younger generation um, mm-hmm. to do what I do and how I was training them because I would constantly get asked, how do you break in? What have you? Mm -hmm. And so my small business was starting to mentor uh, those that want to get into live TV and production manage. And I could share what I've learned in film school and and, and Mm -hmm. that. But I also, because of my artist relation um, skill, I had worked with a variety of brands, different products and businesses for about eight or 10 years, bringing them to the artist experience, bringing them backstage. And so I didn't realize I I had uh, this sort of marketing skill, which again, that was by accident. But I had loved, you know, giving my talent or my artists, you know, something that was creative, insightful, and then helping these small businesses that were just starting at the time 
this incredible exposure to an A-lister. And it was very organic. It wasn't, you know, you know, someone's paying an influencer for this mention or that, but it wasn't that. It's much, it can be much more nuanced now. Yeah. Um, but I started in this organic, authentic relationship way. And now my small business um, is coming alongside what I do as a TV production manager, which I have a feeling in the future, my Together Good company will most likely be the main thing that I carry. And my freelance work, I'll pass on to those that I've trained up. Um, you know, that's good. Yeah, so for those that are listening, as I mentioned before, Together Good Company is Patrice's baby, her, yeah. well, her first baby. Um, yeah. But we will get into that a little bit later. Yeah. So um, given production, there are always like curtains, you know, when you've got the Grammys, there's, there's the curtain that you see before anybody like gets on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first section of the podcast that we have at the reveal is behind the curtain. Mm. And we basically ask questions around, you know, your, your childhood and, you know, what does it mean for you? Um, how did it affect the person that you are today? And what does it actually mean to be successful when you get behind the curtain? Oh my gosh, I love this question. It's so, you know, there's a lot of layers uh, to that. And I guess we'll kind of first talk about, you know, my childhood. Mm-hmm. And um, I grew up as an only child. I'm the only child of my mother. But on my father's side, there's other siblings that I wouldn't later, I wouldn't meet until later on in mm-hmm. life. But my, um, my childhood was, as an only child, you learn to really, I think, I mean, at least for me in my experience, really utilize your imagination. You know, it's yeah. like I didn't have siblings. And so I was constantly being creative. And my parents um, really just sort of let me, they never sort of created these um, rigid, like you need to be doing this, you need to pursue this path as a lawyer or a doctor. Mm-hmm. It was always asking like, so what do, would you like to be when you grow up? And mm-hmm. and there, I look back now on small things that I was interested in when I was younger and how my parents just encouraged that. Um, you know, something from, as, this is, sounds so funny, but I was thinking about this um, <laughs> the other week, but I was obsessed with walkie talkies when I was like eight <laughs> Old, it's the most rant. I like, you know, and I'm, you so know, I was, you were the you were that kid who was like playing with <laughs> I wanted. I put on my Christmas list AT and T. This is not a sponsored post or podcast right now that we know of, but AT and T um, had these, and I could like forge uh, after this. Uh, I'll email you the picture of the le- like <laughs> legit 1988 or whatever AT and T walkie talkie set for kids. Oh wow! I promise you, I was like. Mom and dad, I, I need that. I, that's what I want. And they gave me walkie-talkies. I say all that because, you know, sometimes kids don't even know why they are, you know, they're gravitating mm. towards certain things. And, um, but I think it's really interesting when you sort of pay attention to those things that they're naturally yeah. sort of drawn to, how powerful that is. But I reflected on the fact that my career um, is driven by the use of a walkie-talkie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on set, so I'm holding. Um, for those that can't see on the podcast, I'm just kind of holding my hand in front of my mouth as if I'm holding a walkie-talkie because <laughs> I love that feeling. I love being like, check one, two, like, do you copy? Like, just, it's so silly, right? But like, these little things from my childhood. And then also, um, I, you know, started a uh, whatever, like, neighborhood uh club of some sort and I was the president and I made like one of the neighborhood kids the vice president and I made the club rules and we had I don't know what we were doing I don't know what the club was about but all to say that felt very entrepreneurial right like doing a small business thing I'm pretty sure I was maybe nine or ten but like Mm -hmm. I had this you know structure and then and then you know we can talk about how I my dad got me like this like this mini tape recorder where I could record my voice Mm -hmm. and um and I would pretend like I had a radio show and I would, I don't know, I literally, I was just doing all kinds of things. So fast forward to, you know, me now doing like a, you know, a podcast and, and also speaking being very much a big part of what I do, um, you know, for a living. And, um, and then, you know, my, clearly my obsession with, with movies, you know, and mm. with even at a young age, entertainment magazines, like, I don't know what the equivalent is um, in the UK, but like we have the show called like Entertainment Tonight and like Access yeah, yeah. Hollywood and mm-hmm. like there's Us Weekly. So all these like entertainment mags, 
or magazines um, where they're giving you the behind the scenes of like, you know, your actors and your singers, whatever. <laughs> I just was like, this is all, oh, I was obsessed with that. And so I think that kind of fueled my whole curiosity about the behind mm-hmm. the scenes yeah, yeah. Of, of Hollywood. And so when I got to university, I wanted to know how did, you know, how does a radio show work? Mm-hmm. Um, because at the time, you know, I had, you know, I, like I said, I, the seed of was planted of me trying to record my own radio show at the time. <laughs> you know, I was like 10 or 11. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so when I get to university though, that's like eight years later. Um, and I'm about to sort of major in or study radio TV production. But what I find in sort of the, how the radio wor- world worked at that time I wasn't, that wasn't really my jam. And sometimes you have to mm-hmm. step into something to really realize like, oh, that's not what I thought it was going to be. And not be afraid to say I have to pivot and like switch. But I still knew TV production I was still very much interested in. And so, you know, it was a blessing that I was in a university that was really right outside of Los Angeles, very close to Los Angeles, meaning I could go to a live television show taping any weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you went to Santa Monica Pier at the time, I don't know if they still do this, but they were handing out like pieces of paper where you could go see um, a live taping of, you know, fill in the blank for maybe the whatever tonight show, whatever late mm-hmm. show, whatever, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And you would be able, you'd get this, it'd be for free, just for free. You could just go for free to this taping. And I was like, well, no, nobody else wants to do this? Like, let's go. And I would grab my best friend and we would go to these live television show tapings. And I just thought, I would end up finding myself trying to talk to like the pages, which are ushers basically when they sit mm-hmm. you down in these live audiences. I was like, how did you get this job as a page? Or I would start to, in the breaks, I would start to, I would walk down and talk to a cameraman. Like, what is, can you talk to me about what is the equipment? You know, just cause I was. I, <laughs> You're just curious. Curious. That kid. And so, you know, my love of pop culture um, at the time and the behind the scenes curiosity that I had sort mm-hmm. of merged when I was obsessed with the Backstreet Boys um, in 99 or 2000. And my best friend and I were chasing them, at the, you know, main, meaning like trying to find out what live show, what TV show we're yeah, going to be yeah, at yeah. next. And found, got an advert for like a paper advert for where they were going to be at for the show called Motown Live. And we were going to go to a taping. And it was at that show, I talked to an, a cameraman and I was like, what does someone have to do to like work backstage or to like yeah. be a part of like this? And he literally told me, he's like, oh, you should call the production company. And I didn't know, even know what that meant. I was like, a pro- okay, a production company. Sure. And he's like, I'll give you the phone number and you can call and see if they need an intern since you're in university right now, that could, that could be a possibility. Yeah. And that conversation, Denise, like seriously, is the conversation that led to me having a career in wow. television. So, yeah. So that's from childhood to these like little hints and things along the way. So I guess the one thing that strikes me about some of the stories that you've just shared is the, the, the curiosity you may have had didn't necessarily hold you back. And you really mm. did like feel the fear and do it anyway. So how did you overcome those, like whether it was thoughts in your head or mm. not even to say thoughts in your own head, but just like, how did you just feel it and be like, okay, I, I, this guy gave you this advice and now just go and do it as opposed oh, to it being an abstract kind of thing? Yeah, no, that's such a great question. Um, I think something that my mom told me very when I was very young um, was that number one, there's no such thing as a stupid question. So never be afraid to ask because you'll never get an answer if you don't ask. And secondly, the worst thing someone could tell you is no, and that's not going to break you. Um, And what I found to add to that is a lot of times when people, or even when you're asking God for something like, can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? And he's like, no, that's actually a blessing in disguise because I'd rather get a no from the Lord knowing that there's a better yes later mm-hmm. on. So when somebody's telling you a no, that's not the end of the world. You can feel the, dis- the disappointment of that, but that means that there's actually a better yes coming. Mm-hmm. That's, and that you know might have been you know me just being this optimist at the time, being young and, and all these things. But I think having the freedom um, to ask questions and knowing that it wasn't going to be detrimental, like it wasn't yeah. going, you know, because really in the end, you're just asking, I wasn't, making someone give me something you know it wasn't me like you owe me this or anything like that it was 
keep asking until you get an answer or mm. just keep, you know, ask, just don't be afraid to ask. There's no such thing as a stupid question. And what I found is that people love to talk about what they do and <laughs> inevitably in them talking about what they do, they give you clues of what, how you can mirror what they've stepped into. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think there is fear. Honestly, there is nervousness. Um, so I don't want to sort of downplay that. But I wanted the answer more than I wanted to stay in the place of nervousness and unknowing. I'd rather, I wanted, I'd rather know and some sort of answer or if I was closer to an answer versus, well, if I stay fearful and stuck in this place, I'm going to get nothing. Like I will just stay stuck mm-hmm. and fearful in this place. Um, and I always find that really like what you want is on the other side of fear. And, you know, meaning like you... <laughs> You can't necessarily wait, you know, until you are not afraid to do something because I think you'll kind of be waiting the rest of your life. Um, and so you have to, you have to really kind of settle in your heart. Do you want to know at least, you know, the answer? Do you want this this thing, or you want to see the other side of this more than you want to sit in the same place on your couch or in your bed? Um, knowing that someone actually wants to give you the answer. And I think that that's the thing. Somebody actually wants to give you the answer. And I think our world often, you know, portrays just the people that are in it for themselves and, you know, every man for themselves or woman for themselves and they're knocking people off the ladder. And, and, and there are those people, let me, let me not get it twisted. (laughs) There are those people, but I have, what I have found, you find what you look for. You find what you look for. And I think if you're concentrating on like, okay, this person's going to be a jerk to me or I'm going to blah, blah, blah. It's interesting how you keep coming upon jerks. It's just, I don't, I can't fully explain that. There's people that probably have a lot of, you know, metaphysical theories about this, what have you. I'm not even going to get into that. But I just kind of purpose, it's just like people want to give me answers. And okay, you weren't the person, but somebody after you might want to give you the answer. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think for sure there's that nervousness, but I kind of flipped it to make it sort of exciting. And, and as I told you, you know, earlier, I'm really motivated by fun mm-hmm. and adventure. And I'm not necessarily going to be jumping out of airplanes. That's not what I mean, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you're, so you're not like me then. I did that in 2007. Mm. Okay. Cool. No, I mean, <laughs> I, there would have to be a lot of prayer and convincing for me to want to do that. But that is no, no, no. But I transfer that mindset though of like bungee jumping to sort of this mentality of like, I, this is an adventure. Like God's with me mm-hmm. in this. So let's see what happens on the other side. Like, let's just, let's see. And so I kind of, um, I don't put in my whole identity and stock into this mm-hmm. whole thing having to work out because first and foremost, my identity is coming from God and it's being affirmed by the people that actually know me and love Mm me. Um, And I think when you have that, honestly, that is a foundational thing that's really beneficial that, you know, other people have different practices or different faith traditions. But I find that when you're not putting your whole identity into something, even if you feel like it's your calling or your purpose, that's still not, you were like, for some reason, you couldn't do that thing, but you're still absolutely valuable. You still Mm -hmm. absolutely have a purpose. And so... That has to be a reality. But I find when you're in that place, when you kind of, your hands are open, more things, when you're kind of like not holding on to it so tightly, like mm. things got to work and you kind of just loosen that grip a little bit. I find that more things, and I'm still trying to practice this, so I don't have it mastered, but yeah. more things start to open up for you. The doors that you've been waiting for for 10 years, you know, so. So what does it mean to you to to be successful? Because you, you've talked about, you know, the doors opening up what does it then mean to you to 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 be successful and have a successful yeah. career life man um such a rich rich question um <laughs> i'm serious though <laughs> because success um you know in one way for me is Okay, so at one point in time in my career, you know, success was mm-hmm. working with or meeting, mm-hmm. you know, you know, every 
you know, sort of celebrity or whatever that was on my checklist. Like, I'd love mm-hmm. to meet, you know, so-and-so one day. I'd love to work with so-and-so one day. Mm-hmm. And pretty much every name on that list that I created has been checked off. Like, it's, wow. I mean, it, it grows when I see new works of art or when I see, you know, something new. And I'm just like, oh, okay, they're that's, oh, this is the young generation. I'd love to like, you know, meet yeah. them. But like for some of the legends and the heavy hitters that I'm, that I've wanted to meet or know growing mm-hmm. up, I've been really graced um, and just blessed to have connected, worked with, seen them or, you know, and or met them, which yeah. I just think it's just kind of fun. And that to me is uh, a bit of success. But then I think on a deeper heart level um, is really doing the thing that I feel like God has created me to do that blesses mm-hmm. other people yeah, yeah, where there's legacy involved. And so for me, real success is legacy. And on a practical note, you know, because I went to university and then grad school, film school, there was a lot of student loan debt that was accumulated, which I was like, oh, that might not have been the wisest thing. And so mm-hmm. again, this journey has not been perfect, you know, for me as I've been, you know, chasing things or, you know, opening things. I don't want to give the illusion that it's been, you know, free floating this whole time. And I think for me, part of being able to create continued legacy is completely eliminating my student loan debt, like letting that completely, because that has to happen. Um, I don't want my, my future kids, you know, I'm single, I am, you know, I have no kids yet. Um, And a part of, again, part of that success would look like being married um, and having kids, maybe fostering kids or adopting kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And taking care of um, kids in sort of a, a community type level, you know, having a camp yeah, of some sure. sort. Those are, those are like dreams. And I would feel that would be a part of my, my purpose that would be successful, but really it's summed up in legacy. Mm-hmm. If what I'm doing, number one is what God has created me to do. And it, it continues beyond me. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't stop beyond me that there is the perpetual, purpose and love of God and all these open doors, even, you know, practically in entertainment, um, has, you know, continues through Mm -hmm. others and that they have opportunities that they would not have had if it weren't for, you know, you or I opening specific doors, you know, for them. Um, so yeah, so success, you know, financially, I don't need to be a millionaire. I just honestly would love to just not have to deal with student loan debt. Mm -hmm. Being a millionaire, billionaire would be great because I want to be as generous as possible. And I'd love to be able to write a hundred thousand dollar checks, um, to ministries and to, to people that I just, I love and I know that need it. Um, but I feel like God's doing a work in my heart in terms of like identity and just knowing who I am in him. And, and also part of that too, I think is successful, really being able to walk in that Mm -hmm. and not feel to walk in that unapologetically. And it doesn't mean being a jerk about it. It just means, you are rooted, you are grounded yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of, I know I kind of give a lot of different. Um, so, one thing that I, that you kind of touched upon was, you know, meeting some of the artists that you have met. Mm. And I think in one of the other podcasts I heard you do with Bobby, Bobby Kamari, yes. uh, um, you mentioned about seeing the sides of uh, the talent or celebrities, as we would call them over here, Mm -hmm. um, that the public doesn't get to see. And what is that like for you Mm. and for someone who wants to break into that industry? Is there anything that an individual needs to be mindful of, given the fact that they are seeing potentially a different side to what they may have seen on camera in a TV show or in an interview, for example? Yeah. That's a great question. This is brilliant. Um, I, the first thing I'd say, have a, have a community of, of people around you. Um, have um, a solid group of people. I mean, at least two or three that can really help hold you up as you pursue this thing um, mm-hmm. in entertainment. Because what I've found for those that are breaking in and for those that are at the top of their game, you know, that are uber famous or super famous, um, you know, what I always notice backstage is that they're, they're always with an entourage. So whether it's, you know, mm. two people or 10 for, or more for some people, <laughs> um, but they, they keep those people that they trust the closest. You know, some people just have the yes men around them and that's not what I'm saying that you need to have. 
like mm-hmm. everyone is like, yeah, what you do, everything you're doing is great. It's great. It's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You need people that really love you and that will tell you the truth and that will encourage you on this. Because what I find is being in this industry, being in, in Hollywood can be dark. It can get dark very mm-hmm. quickly. And you can find yourself doing things that you thought you'd never do. Right. <laughs> real fast. Just real. You just mm-hmm. be like, uh, wait a minute. What? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I find that having a support system, I, I'd probably say it that way, a support system. Yeah. It's key, key, key. Um, as you get better at your craft, like number yeah. one, you know, continue to study your craft. You the way that the world and technology is set up right now, you can be doing the thing that you're wanting to do <laughs> and be discovered from the comfort of your own home. Yeah. I mean, this was not the case when I was first starting out in this industry 20 years ago. I mean, over 20 years ago, you know, we're talking 1998. That's, that's a lot. A lot has changed in terms of how people are getting discovered and how they are um, breaking in to this industry, whether it's television, film, you know, commercial work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can be growing a platform, you know, on social media uh, so, so easily. And, and if you're putting out quality stuff, people that are things that people are gravitating towards, you know, either sponsors or networks or have you, you know, we constantly now have departments, you know, that are looking at what's viral, you know, for the week, Mm. you know, because they want to either incorporate that in a live segment, you know, that's what you'll see like on the different morning shows, this, you know, let's talk about, and we're finding the interview, Mm -hmm. we're interviewing this person that just went viral. It's like, that's great. But then once you get, you know, famous, then what? You know, now what? So I think too, knowing, like having a support system Mm -hmm. is vital. Knowing your why. Number two, knowing your why. Why are you doing this thing? Why? You have to be very clear on that. And I'm just going to give you a, a, like a little cheat sheet answer. It should Mm -hmm. not be because of money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you'll you'll burn out real quickly. Um, you'll get surpassed by someone who's actually really passionate about it. Yeah. So it can't you when you know your why, when you're connected to your why, that's going to help you continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then have in mind that this thing, the third thing I'd say, have in mind that this is going to take time. Um, oh. Because anyone that I have seen that is big is a micro-influencer, a macro, mm-hmm. a celebrity, a count, whatever. They have been working on their craft. I mean, even if we're talking about child stars too, you know, like yeah. those that are like just gifted. These kids are like in rehearsals, you know, five days out of a week. They are like, you know, you see maybe the one poster, the two posts a day that they're putting on Instagram or on Facebook, but you're not seeing like, the schooling that they're doing on set and then the rehearsals yeah. that they're doing and the training that they're doing with a specialized person and blah, blah, blah. All these things to stay on top of their game. And so I think these things take time. And so whether you're 55, just wanting to break in, which I would say, go for it. Yeah. Um, but have a support system, a support team. Know your why, like why you're doing it. And realize mm. still, even at 55, like you might not have overnight success. In fact, overnight success, success I think is one of the most dangerous lies out there and it's dangerous to our psyches it's it's dangerous because when if you were to really like you notice for someone who you know you know we've heard those stories of someone who wins a lottery and you were like in poverty and sometimes they end up ruining their lives because mm-hmm. they have this you know the very thing you know the sudden, thing that you, yeah all of a sudden and you think that would be a blessing and because they didn't even have the skill set to manage finances so yeah. it destroyed them and you're thinking, how does a blessing destroy you? And I think there's something to be said about things taking time mm-hmm. because you learn things that you need later on that you don't know that you need for that particular place of um, influence. Because yeah. yeah, you will probably have influence. And whether it's a thousand people, whether it's 50 people, whether it's 10 million people, mm-hmm. you're going to need to know how to how to balance that and steward that. And psychologically, there's a lot of other aspects going on that people don't really talk about when it comes mm-hmm. to breaking into this field of entertainment and breaking yeah. into Hollywood and becoming famous. That's a whole nother mm-hmm. layer. So yeah, I think those three things, having a support system is something people need to realize that is part of the revealing, the behind mm-hmm. the scenes, knowing your why. And thirdly, knowing that this takes time. Yeah. Um, and that's a good thing. It doesn't mean yeah. you're being punished or you're not good enough. It just yeah, means you're yeah. getting protected for 
when the thing actually does blow up. And does that support system need to be someone from the industry or does it, or can it be just anyone? I'm just, I'm just being mindful of someone mm. maybe like, does, does the person or that person, so yeah, does the person or the individual need to have an understanding of what it is that you're going through so that they can empathize? Or is, it that, or is it that they just need to be able to be there to just support you in every way, which... That's, I love that question. And I would say one of, at least one of those people in that support uh, team should be in the industry that you are pursuing. So it can be a mentor and someone who has either, you know, done something that you admire is also helpful because, Mm -hmm. you know, you respect their work and you respect what they have to say. You might not always agree with what they have to say, but at least that already gives you, you know, something that you're aspiring towards and they, and they have something to speak into what you're trying to do. Because again, it's like, I don't necessarily take financial advice from someone who's broke. You know, like, that sounds super mean. And I know that's really strong. No, but, but like, true. but we take, we take financial wisdom from people that have overcome their obstacles. Like they might've had mm-hmm. a tremendous debt, you know, but they, they overcame it. And so now, and now they're living in you know, abundance. And it's like, well, I want to listen to that person. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. the person. So when you're even thinking about a mentor, you know, which again, that's a part of the support team. You want to look at someone who is actually, you know, doing something that you admire, something that Mm -hmm. you aspire to, that knows way more than, you know, you do. So I think at least one of those people in your support team could, Mm -hmm. should be like a mentor that someone that's connected to the industry you're trying to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And then I would just say, I'm just going to do the number three. So I'm going to say the other two, um, Mm -hmm. could be close family and friends, Mm -hmm. um, that are willing to be in the trenches when you, when you are crying your eyes out because you lost, you didn't make this, this is the Mm -hmm. 15th audition that you got rejected at or something got canceled or you're frustrated because you can't write the song or whatever. These are the people that are just like, Hey, no, no, we see the gift in you. Mm. We're, they're going to remind you of your why they're going to, they're going to see what you can't might maybe see in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and they're, they're going to be the ones to keep you sort of going, you know, in that direction. Yeah. So, so yeah, I love that question though. I think, yeah, that one person, at least one of the three, if we're saying like a support team should yeah. be at least three. Um, and for me personally, I have that, you know, just to, 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 you know, say I have, um, you know, people that they might not even have like the label of they're my mentor, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, so to, just to kind of, so people don't get weirded out by, you know, titles, you know, <laughs> they don't necessarily need to be called the mentor, but there's someone, you know, I have two that, um, you know, have worked in this industry, even just one has worked just maybe five years more than I have, but yeah. he knows five more things than I, five I more do. Yeah, yeah. Than I yeah. do. And then there's another that's worked 20 more years, like on top of that than I have. Mm. And, you know, I get to bounce ideas off of, you know, her or him. And, and sometimes there's also, you know, when you get to a certain point, you know, of working in this industry, you get to collaborate, you know, sometimes yeah. with these new tours. And, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. that's a beautiful thing. And now I'm kind of experiencing that, getting the ability to ability, excuse me, to collaborate now with people that I've admired, which yeah. is, that's a gift in and of itself. So I can totally understand and relate when you mentioned about like mentors and not necessarily someone who you can, you know, with our arms up, like they, I call them my mentor. Yeah. Um, but even if you, let's say, call them a sponsor and I definitely can say that 20 through 2019, 2018, I had that within my own personal career and having them even just as a sounding board was just amazing. And, you know, they challenged me. They, they had very hard conversations with me. Um, I definitely cried a couple of times, but having someone who will be able to speak into my life, having someone who would be able to speak into my life and to see the gift that's within me and encourage me to go on, but then also see where the end goal is and what steps I would then need to be able to take at the current state that I'm in now yes, has been so valuable. And although they're not really in the capacity of the mentor and sponsor anymore, the the relationships still exist. And I know that even through this current situation that we're in, like I've texted them and been like, 
hi how are you how's your family doing and the relationship is now you know forever like they're, they're not going to get rid of me and I've told yeah. them this already yeah 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 that's the way it works it, it, it becomes that yeah you're, I'm I'm here to stay for a while hi <laughs> thank you um so what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned what's take the L like what's some of the biggest lessons that you've learned and how did you bounce back Man, um, something that just comes to mind right now is like, and I'll explain this, but like the, there's this, this saying in the entertainment industry, the show must go on. Mm. Um, um, and here's the thing, I feel like with any production that I've ever been a part of, and I, again, I'm in a, in a very specialized niche of live t- TV, which is, it's, it's kind of, I kind of, you know, equate it to kind of like the, 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 uh, the ER, what's the, what do you call the ER uh, in the UK? Like the emergency oh, services or the- uh, The A&E. The A&E, yeah. Um, the A&E in a hospital, um, even though it's completely different industries, completely different skill sets, but it's at high intensity, you know, versus mm-hmm. if you're doing something that's a little bit, you know, maybe a calmer practice. Mm-hmm. If you're not in that sort of high intensity, you're kind of experiencing a different vibe altogether. With live TV, it's, li- it's happening in real time. Like we don't get to just like, you know, so there's a different type of, we all talk about this, you know, occasionally of like how it trains us for any other area. Like if we end up going into film, you know, which the pace is a lot slower in film because Mm -hmm. you're, you're shooting scenes and you know, there's a specific schedule and you're, you have to stay on schedule, but it means you can do a retake still. You can do, you know, there's, there's different adjustments that you can make, but what I have found working in what I would call the impossibility of live TV because so many things can go wrong. Mm -hmm. But yet the show always ends up happening. It always goes on. I have seen the most, like the craziest things Mm. where you just think the show is going to get shut down. I mean, fill in any award show, you know, that, you know, from Oscars to Grammys to BET Awards to you name it. We're just like, Cool. And I just like, I don't know how this is going to work out, but it always does. And so, and it's not even just trying to be like, you know, just oh, so optimistic and with rose colored glasses. I literally for the past 20 years have seen impossible situations. What's that quote from Alice in Wonderland? Is there something about like, I... I do like three impossible things before, right. like I've been able to do three impossible things before breakfast or something like that. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm this is such a horrible paraphrase, but this whole thing of like, um, things are not as impossible as you might think they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm such a proponent of telling people constantly, and it's not just trying to blow air, you know, but like dream big, like mm-hmm. don't be afraid to dream big and to dream about having these incredible partnerships with people or being able to collaborate in the future with, you know, this person because it can very well happen. And so, you know, so two things like, you know, things could seem really impossible, Mm -hmm. but they're not as impossible as you think. The show will always go on somehow. It's kind of like how the the world, you know, even though we might be suffering loss in a certain Mm. season of life, losing a loved one, have you, but it's interesting how the world still continues to run. Yeah. You know, and 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 it's it it's almost seems very like oh that's kind of mean you know to say, and yeah. that's not the aspect I'm trying to concentrate on. It's it's this fact that um, there will still be this mm-hmm. um, resolve, or there will still be you'll the goal will still be met. It might not look the way that you thought it was going to look, mm-hmm. but you'll still get to the place um, or the direction. You'll still head in that play, that direction. You'll get to where you're wanting to get um, because the show always. I have I have yet to see. A, a live show completely shut down as they stop, stop tape, roll tape, j- just roll commercials now for adverts now for the rest yeah. of the half. We have to, this is, she doesn't want to perform. She doesn't want to go on stage there. She refuses to da da da. Like, cause there's always, there's been that literally there's so many artists that have refused to go on stage and yet mm-hmm. something has always worked out. And I think there has to be a level to when you're connected to the why we, you know what we talked about before mm-hmm. believing in that helps to kind of, propel that belief like this is still going to work out this is still going to work out because I didn't just sort of make this up on my own like whether you believe in God or not like it's Mm -hmm. just like there's something bigger at play here Mm -hmm. that wants me to kind of get this out and do this so I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep moving forward so how did you so how did you sorry to cut you off how did you um 
like through those I'm pretty sure there might have been some of the mistakes that you've made yes. is there, is, are there any I don't want to say for you to say like a, a big massive mistake but you know was yes. there any particular mistake that you've made and you bounced back from it and how did you how 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 did you do that Okay, that's that's great too. Because yes, mistakes made all the time in, in every show. Because another thing with my industry, you know, we hop from show to show. Like I'm a freelancer, meaning I'm contracted for a particular show or with a with a different production company almost every other show. So that means some the show's going to be different every time. So that means you're relearning something every time. So that means inevitably, as you are learning something, you are going to mess up or you didn't <laughs> know something, and then you find out, oh, I should have known that and. Um, I've had to learn to be very flexible, humble, and teachable in this process and be really kind to mm-hmm. myself and others. And so I have made a plethora, girl, okay, a plethora of mistakes, things, you know, ju- just stuff. But I think one of the things which has set me, I, well, one of the things that's been key for me is owning when I've made a mistake to mm-hmm. especially even to like my superiors or to like, yeah. you, know, you know, people around me, like owning the mistake and asking how it can be resolved. Like if you don't know the solution, like yeah. asking how it can be resolved. And, and also I have had to learn, like if I did, you know, make a, a mistake or if problems arise that was caused by even someone from my team, really learning how to, um, find creative solutions because you know my thing was like I don't want to just bug this producer on this because they're worried about they're doing 50 other things and learning how to um get creative with solutions Mm. of how to how to you know fix the issue but if it's above like what I my resources or what I can do at the time I have to own my mistake and then I have to ask for help to fix it and and that's I mean that's and is, it, is there any particular mistake that comes to mind and how you, how you did bounce back? Yeah, I mean, okay, so like one in particular, housing a specific um, high-level executive for mm-hmm. uh, an award show. And everything was, so, it was, again, in the artist relation um, capacity on yeah. this particular production on set. And we had gone through the writer, which is all the requested items, you know, for this particular executive. And mm-hmm. if I were to say this person's name, everyone would know who this is um, for, and the company as well. And my team set it up and I missed like one of the details on the writer and, mm-hmm. and then also substituted because a lot of times we're trying to save budget and just, you know, we'll have to, mo- we'll modify things. But there was there are specific must-haves, you know, on a writer. And usually the team will write must-haves or this is non-negotiable, mm. you know, and you, so mm. you know what to look out for. And then you, you can kind of sometimes edit the rest. You'll let their team know, hey, we don't have the budget for this. Can we substitute with this? Yep, yep. But anyhow, we had done like a preset for their, his camp to go and look at. And it was, all, it was just wrong. You know, just some very specific items, you know, that they did not want in there. It, no plastic, it, you know, had to be, you know, ceramic it had to have been mm. this particular color um and basically you know I got yelled at you know and it's like wow. this is unacceptable this, like what is this which is by the way not abnormal <laughs> uh, for people to yell in my industry just so you know so if you uh, do have a tender heart like I do you learn how to develop a, a thicker skin um I still sometimes will go cry in the bathroom and just be like oh gosh that hurt my feelings um but I've learned to be gracious and kind when I'm getting that feedback. Because number one, I, I, I messed up. It was me. Yes, I messed up. Yeah. I substituted something that wasn't, I was not supposed to substitute. And I did not um, run that substitution by the person that I needed to um, mm-hmm. because I, everything was happening so fast, what have you, which sometimes happens mm-hmm. in that setting. But it was wrong for me to, uh, like, to assume or to guess with this one seemingly small thing, which mm-hmm. ended up being you know, a big thing. And so... The, the thing that I did to rectify it was apologize. Real practical. Number one, I'm sorry. <laughs> People, listen, apology goes and mean it. I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh, you're buying such a pain. This is not even a big deal. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That was not my intention. I apologize. And let my, my team and I will get right on that. So we will substitute this out. If, you're, if your boss needs to fire me from this, that's fine. 
Um, mm. That was, again, not my intention to offend you guys. And and then that was it. And so me kind of diffusing the situation by saying, you're right, I'm totally wrong. I apologize. Let's We're going to work on this now ASAP to, to rectify this and to yeah. fix it. Um, and, and we did. Like I had to send a shopper out to to go and get this. And it was back in time before the executive, you know, had to be in the room. And, and oddly enough, the executive wasn't really as concerned as the person that was managing the executive space. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the point being, you know, I had to own up to my mistake. And that's just kind of a, a quick example, you know, and no one likes to be wrong. No one likes to be embarrassed. No one likes to be, you know, yelled at. Um, but at the same time, you know, I had that same person come back around and at the end of that show, just say, you know, I know everything was really heated. I'm so sorry. Thank you for doing everything that you did. And I don't necessarily do the apologies to hear that Mm. at the end of something, but I just, I've seen, I have seen the fruit of kindness throughout my entire career. Like I refuse to be bitter. I refuse to retaliate. I refuse. And, and much of that comes from like my relationship with God. Like we just don't have permission to be bitter and stay in unforgiveness. Like as, as someone who is a Jesus follower, we don't have permission to stay in that place. Mm-hmm. And I've had, you know, spiritual mentors in my life that pray for me while I'm on these shows. And, you know, I get to kind of recap, you know, with them of like things I could have done better. And so again, mm-hmm. it's, I've had to learn really getting comfortable with being critiqued mm-hmm. um, because really, crit, you know, being critiqued and not just like bitter troll criticism, but like being critiqued does help you grow and when you see it in that context you're much more you're less defensive when you kind of because sometimes you even are you want to get defensive with yourself like how could I have done that or oh gosh or you're just so frustrated and it's like you're human you're not a robot you are not AI like it's okay um you're okay it's gonna it's gonna be fine and no one thank goodness, is dying because of your mistake. Like, I I can't say that for other fields, you know, there's a different pressure, you know, for (laughs) that. But at the end of the day, we're not in control of all elements. We're not. And Mm. we, you can really just do the best that you can and stay humble and kind. Like kindness goes a long way and own your stuff. If you make us own it, don't be trying to hide it. And you know, whatever, like, and apologize. Like just, that was not my intention. And do what you have to do if you feel like you you can't trust me in this area. But because I had also a track record of doing good work, you know, throughout my career, like it's not like every show I'm making sort of a massive mistake. You know, there are mistakes, I think, and learning curve things happening on each show. But when I do make that massive mistake or when I do get called out, people, they kind of now like, well, that's not Patrice's MO for Mm -hmm. 20 years. Like, yeah, we we'll still hire her. It's okay. Like there, it's okay. Yeah. And really like knowing, okay, God, I did put in the work. I did give a hundred percent. Um, and, and that's the best I can do. And so if, if you're saying my time in this particular industry is done, then I'm going to have to be at peace with that. But, but in the end, it's never that serious. It's just really owning your stuff, apologizing and being willing to learn and make something better. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that is, that is so, 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 so good. And it makes me think of, um, the, I did a blog post oh, maybe like two or three years ago where I said like your reputation will precede you. And I remember saying mm. this to a colleague and I said to her, I appreciate that these people are being really rude. I appreciate that these people are being negative. Um, but don't let them take you out of your character. And also... You never know what could happen in five, ten, however many years. It could be in a couple of months. That's where right. Somebody else is talking about you in another room. And if you retaliate to what is being given to you, if that is your MO to retaliate all the time, then that is what will then be spoken about you in those other rooms. And when I was leaving the team that um, I was managing before, one of the partners said, you know, Denise, you've got such a grace that I really just love. And it really hit me, if I'm completely honest, because that was really what I was trying to extend (laughs) for the whole time that I was there. Um, And I built some really, really great relationships whilst I was there. I had an amazing time 
it was challenging, just like you said before. Like there, there are instances where you are where you're challenged, and people may want to take you out of your character, but actually the response is kindness. The response is always going to be you being the best version of you, and sometimes that's you keeping your mouth shut. Listen, and and like you said, you know, just earlier. Um, you know, when somebody's talking about you in the room, you know, five years later, what have you, like what's going to be spoken about you. And, and I, uh, to add to that, um, I have seen when not only has someone called me out for a mistake, but I've had people try to, what we would call, I don't know if you have this uh, expression, but throw you under the bus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've had people try to throw me under the bus uh, where I didn't do something, but tried to pin it on me. Mm-hmm. And I chose the route of just being kind and gracious and just, say, you know, number one saying like that wasn't fully me or that wasn't even my intention, especially if it comes from someone who is, you know, um, an executive producer or something. Mm-hmm. And it's basically their word against yours. And, mm-hmm. and I remember um, feeling really distinctly not to, like you said, retaliate, mm-hmm. which is very odd because most people would just be like, this is wrong. And but I felt the sense to not retaliate. And wouldn't you know it, like three years later, um, I mean, that come that w- that situation was completely diffused. That person was no longer in that position. They were removed mm-hmm. from that position. Uh, I mean, just a lot of other, you know, things kind of fell into play. And then I sort of got... Um, just new open doors open to me in that very place where that person sort of tried to throw me under the bus. And so, you know, for those that feel like they're wrongfully, you know, accused of a mistake or, you know, or someone's kind of uh, egging you on or trying to get you to get out of character, Mm -hmm. um, I would just agree with you, Denise, and just encourage, you know, someone to, to stay in character, pursue kindness, because in the end, you're going to get blessed. Like you're like, mm-hmm. it, there's just an interesting way of how that comes right back around mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. and how they treated you will interestingly enough, come back to them. Yeah. That's yeah. all I'm going to say on that. Yeah. So the very last section of the podcast is called revelations and it's the quick fire round. Uh, cue music. Um, <laughs> And you literally just have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> Are so. you ready for this? This is going to be some <laughs> scary type stuff. So, for example, oh, if I mm. said red. Blue. Okay. So you get it. There we go. So, the time you wake up. 10 a.m. It's quarantine. <laughs> Usual breakfast. Nothing. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Okay, quick try around. <laughs> um, most played song. Uh, oh, in your eyes, Peter Gabriel. Latest TV show you watched, or this could be a podcast or like an online thing, because I know everybody's like watching things online. So, uh, two things: Annie F. Downs podcast and uh, a 1990s cop procedural drama called The Commish. <laughs> Favorite book? Uh, Lord of the Flies. Current food craving. Craving. <gasps> Dairy-free soft serve ice cream from Magpies out here in LA. <laughs> Your safe place. Oh, uh, in in worship. Um, yeah, in worship, in a place of worship with the Lord, where there's music involved and musicians and family involved. So that is, that brings us to the end, however, or close to the end. If people want to get in touch with you and they want to find out a little bit more about you, Patrice, how can they do that? Um, Well, number one, I think they should follow all of the things that you're doing and support you. So if you guys (laughs) are not already, please like follow Denise and love on her. And because I think it's extraordinary that you're stepping out in this way and so I always like to say like you can forget about my name but please remember the hosts of this show because they are putting in the work to just bring this to you and so yeah I hope you have all your links and socials um attached to this as well Denise I'm not playing with you anyway you can you guys can find me at uh, on Instagram at together good co just short for company but together good co all one word no special anything on all across all social media um, and on YouTube and things like that. But, but yeah, I'm, I am excited for what you're doing. 
uh, Denise, and I'm excited for people to come on board and, and you opening doors and revealing uh, behind the curtain things uh, for people. Because I think a lot of us, you know, feel like we're on the outside and there's no way for us to ever break into whatever industry or meet whoever or connect with this person. And you're making it very accessible for people and showing them that it's actually way more possible than they might have thought. So that's special. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to share, subscribe and connect with us on social media at The Reveal Pod.